ghoulish day to all of you. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes that just went through the old ears is courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey. And as always, I am your host, Tessa Morrow. The man's name was Thomas Edward Ketchum, but he is better known as Black Jack Ketchum. He was brought into this world one of my favorite days of the year, and perhaps the spookiest day of all, Halloween. The year, it was 1863. Born in Texas, he leaves home in 1890 to find work as a cowboy, and he does just that and sets up in Pecos River Valley in New Mexico. You know, life was not easy for Black Jack. He was born into a large family, being the youngest of eight children. Ketchum is only five years old when his dad dies and ten when his mom dies. His brother, Sam Ketchum, leaves Texas soon after Black Jack, and together they form this gang of dangerous men that get their kicks of robbing trains. And it also escalates to much other dangerous things, such as murder. In 1892, with greed in their soul and lust for money in their hearts, they conduct a plan when they hear about a train that was on the way to Deming, New Mexico. And this train was rather special as it had a huge payroll on board. They robbed this particular train right near Nut, New Mexico territory, which is just 20 miles north of the train's destination, Deming. The men, they managed to take off with $20,000. You know, again, this is back in 1892. That $20,000 is worth $654,309 today. To date, that money has never been recovered. While they spent much of their time in New Mexico Territory, they did travel often to Colorado to visit a rancher named Herb Bassett. Father of two outlaw daughters, one who was Queen Anne Bassett, who had several boyfriends from the notorious Wild Bunch gang. In 1895, a man named John Powers is found brutally murdered. Now, Ketchum, he admits to taking part in the man's gruesome death, but shares with authorities that it was nothing personal, and in fact, someone had actually paid for him to kill Powers. Not too long after the murder of John Powers, Black Jack is in hot water again, when on February 1st of 1896, an American attorney named Albert Jennings Fountain and his eight-year-old son Henry go missing and presumed dead. Fountain served in the Texas Senate and the New Mexico House of Representatives, so he was an important guy. His buckboard wagon was found near White Sands in the New Mexico Territory, stained with blood. An ambush was obvious, for there were several empty cartridge cases, accompanied with two giant pools of blood. Albert and Henry's bodies have never been found. Now... Believe me, Ketchum, he was not the only suspect in these two, what we believe to be murders. On the list was two of Fountain's rival landowners, part-time deputy U.S. Marshal, rancher, and gunfighter Oliver Lee. 
and two of his ranch hands, McNew and Jim Gilliland. Pat Garrett, killer of Billy the Kid, well, he forms a posse and searches for them. But when Deputy Sheriff Kent Carney is killed, they end the search. And the other rival landowner was U.S. Senator Albert Bacon Fall. So who murdered and disposed the bodies of Albert and Henry Fountain? Was it his rivals, Oliver Lee, the Gilliland brothers, Albert Bacon Fall? Or the outlaw we know as Blackjack Ketchum? Today, those murders do remain unsolved. June of 1896, the Ketchum brothers are traveling when they get caught up in a sketchy storm. Store owners, Morris and Levi, they offer the men to ride out the storm in their store. I mean, how grateful and generous is that of them? Well, the next morning, Levi, he goes to check on his guests in store, and he finds the store in complete shambles. The two men, they are now gone. Now, it's very obvious that Morris and Levi have been robbed. No good deed goes unpunished, right? Pfft. In this case, very much so, and it's very sad. So a posse is formed, and a search is conducted for Sam and Thomas Ketchum. Soon the four men, they catch up to the brothers, and they take them by surprise. Well, a shootout takes place, no huge shocker there. And within seconds, Levi and another man in the posse, Hermenegildo Gallegos, they're dead. Gallegos, they're dead. The third man of the posse. Anastasio, he rides off with his horse, leaving the final man of the posse party alone, Placido Grule. He is shot off his horse, and the wind is knocked out of him. In his semi-conscious state, he sees Black Jack walk over to Levi and Gallegos, who, mind you, they're already dead at this point, and empties his rifle into the two men. Now, thankfully, Grudele, he survives this horrific encounter. July 11th, 1899, Sam Ketchum, he is involved in a train robbery in which he is shot. He's sent to jail and he actually dies of these injuries in his cell. Now, Jack was not involved in this failed heist and is believed to not even know that his brother is dead. A little over a month later, Black Jack attempts to rob the very same train that his brother fatally fell at. He is on his horse and runs towards the approaching train. The conductor, Frank Harrington, he is still very much on edge from the last train robbing attempt and is very aware of what's happening. And he sees Ketchum. He knows Ketchum. He knows he's up to no good. And you know, at this point, Harrington, he's had enough. He is so sick of this bullshit. What is it with these two damn brothers? And believe me, they're not the only ones, but it's just kind of like, oh my God. So he's armed with a shotgun and he shoots Ketchum, who is immediately knocked right off of his horse. The train does not stop and continues on course. Not today, Ketchum. Not today. Now, the following day, a posse finds the injured outlaw. Yeah, folks, after all these hours, he is still very much alive. But obviously being shot with a shotgun, he's not in good shape. 
His arm is pretty messed up. And he is sent to Trinidad, Colorado, a place that I pass through often to go to my boyfriend's mom's house in Colorado. Beautiful, gorgeous area. The mountains are just amazing. Always seeing elk up there and I'm running off course. Anyways, so he goes to Trinidad where his right arm is amputated at the San Rafael Hospital. Now, once he makes a full recovery, he is transferred to Clayton, New Mexico for trial. Mind you, this trial is not for murder, but for the attempted robbery of the train. He pleads innocent, but is found guilty and convicted of attempted train robbery and is given a death sentence. Ketchum is the only person to ever be hanged in Union County, New Mexico. And he's also the only person to receive a capital punishment for the offense of felonious assault upon a railway train in New Mexico Territory. His execution would be delayed several times, but word began to spread like wildfire that the Ketchum Gang, who would soon be the Ketchumless Gang, was planning a brutal attack, an ambush, to break out Black Jack out of his holding cell, giving him his freedom once again. After enough threats and warnings, a date is finally set, and it was decided that on the 26th day, of April in 1901, Thomas Edward Blackjack Ketchum will breathe his final breath. No more delays, no more excuses, no more threats. Like many towns back then, an execution, it was a big thing. It was a huge deal. The whole town of Clayton came to watch. Businesses closed up for the day so they could attend. The law sold tickets to eager folks. These little Ketchum dolls were even made, being hung by a stick. And those were actually handmade and sold during the execution. So intense stuff. Now, since an execution has never taken place here, they did not know how to properly hang a person. The night before the condemned man was actually set to die, they test a hanging with a rope and attach it to a 200-pound sandbag. With that type of weight, it actually turned the rope into like this rigid wire type of mess. Nobody truly knew the horror that would unfold before their very eyes the following day with that rigid wire rope. The one-armed man. At 1.15, dressed in a suit, walks his final steps, 13 to be exact, toward the gallows, eagerly await for his arrival. Oh, are they sure glad to see him. Words they escape the men's lips, forever being his last words on earth. Goodbye. Please dig my grave very deep. All right, hurry up. Sheriff Garcia, hatchet in hand, hacks away at the control rope that will release the trapdoor. I think it took like the second try, but it went. Now, at this point, when this happens, before all these people's eyes, something completely unexpected takes place. He is decapitated, head cut clean off, much to everybody's terror. 
either the rope was too long or maybe his weight gain had something to do with it. The weight of 200 pounds making the rope rigid as wire, or maybe it was a combination. Whatever the case, the execution went as wrong as it could. Just horrifically wrong. A photo was taken of his headless body for a postcard to be made. His head was then sewn back on so it could be presentable for viewing. April 28, 1901, just two days after the botched execution of Thomas Edward Blackjack Ketchum, the Denver Post, they publish an article sharing that Ketchum swore revenge on his killers. Did he have to be taken down a notch or two? Oh, or who are we kidding, 10? Absolutely. Was he a man who robbed and murdered his way through the last years of his life? You betcha. Was his crime that he died for punishable by death? The answer is simple. No. I'll say it again. No. Believe you me, he deserved to be executed, but not for attempting to rob a train. It was for the murders that he had done. And what about the successful train heist that he, you know, like when he got away with $20,000 that one time? Now, I'm not saying he should have not been punished for this. He definitely should have. But death did not fit that crime. So, if he was hanged for one of the murders, then that would have been just the served, in my opinion. Maybe his restless soul is in search for a reckoning, as my boy Val Kilmer says. It's not revenge he's after. Maybe it's true what the Denver Post said, as six months after his execution, the train conductor who had shot him, causing him to lose his arm, well, he dies. And the two lawmen who helped with the execution, were dead a year after Ketchum's death. While online, I saw several sites, including one of my favorites, that being Legends of America, that speaks of an experience shared by a man, something that happened to him years ago when he was just a young man, a boy, really, in his early teens, I believe. Now, he was a scout, and he was on this trip with fellow scouts, checking out really neat, awesome, several historical locations, like mines and things of that sort. One such place was the Philmont Scout Ranch, a place that long ago was one of Black Jack Ketchum's hideaway places. So, that night, everyone retires. The boy, he wakes up due to the sounds coming from a nearby bush. He tries to wake his fellow scouts up, but finds that he is completely paralyzed, like he cannot move an inch. He can't even get a word to be released from his terrified lips. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, this cowboy dressed all in black appears. The boy says that he resembled a homeless person. He was absolutely filthy. His black cowboy hat was worn and extremely tattered. His clothing was not what people would be wearing today, but from another time. His face was beet red, his teeth extremely yellow, he had facial hair. This kid got a great description. He had a revolver on him. And the boy notices that parts of this mysterious cowboy, well, they're translucent. To the boy, it seemed that the man was unaware of him or anyone else that was there for that matter. At this point, the scout is still paralyzed. The boy, he witnesses this mysterious fog 
appearing from the tree line near the creek. The sounds of angry men, their voices could be heard. They're arguing, yelling at each other. Words are unintelligible, but you don't have to understand the words to know that something not good is happening right now. This is immediately followed by gunfire. The cowboy in black then turns and fires six times. He then runs and stops, standing right over the scout. And it's obvious that he had been wounded. He discharges six shell casings on top of the scout. And I can't imagine what is going through this child's head as this wild scene unfolds before his very eyes. The cowboy reloads and then fires more into the tree line. It is at that moment he becomes aware of the child. His face is just full of confusion. He looks the boy right in the soul of his eyes and says, You're not supposed to be here. And he then vanishes into thin air. The next morning, the scout tells everyone what he saw. Everyone thought he was either a super imaginative person or that he just had some Wild West dream. That is until someone went to grab the sleeping bags and in the scouts, six spent casings fell out onto the ground. Later, they get back to base camp. They visit this old saloon that was there, you know, way back when. And on the wall is this framed photo of Black Jack Ketchum. And as soon as the scout sees this photo, he knows that's the same man that he saw that night. No doubt in his head. He knows that was Black Jack Ketchum that he saw. Well, he gets back home. He gets in touch with the gun expert who said that those casings dated back to the late 1870s, I believe he said like 1878, and the gunpowder was not what is used these days. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, they're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, just head on over to any of those awesome podcast platforms such as Blueberry, Spotify, Player FM, CastBox, Apple Podcast, wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Boynton Beach, Florida, Rio Rancho, New Mexico, Menifee, California, White Plains, New York, and Wentzville, Missouri. Thanks, everyone. It is greatly appreciated. Be sure to stop by next Monday for the newest episode. And you guys, Christmas is just days away. Hoping you all, wherever you are and however and whatever you celebrate, have a wonderful holiday. Thanks, everyone. And we will see you next week. Fa-la-la-la-la.